Okay, let's get fired up. We have SoCal Crypto. He's a veteran trader from 2013 on the podcast tonight. Very fun. We broke the episode up into three segments. And that's the first time we've done that on CryptoCast, but we had a lot of information that we wanted to cover. And it was a great chat with SoCal. Uh, Appreciate y'all tuning in. Thanks for making CryptoCast such a hit. And happy listening. This is Digital Lawrence. I'm out. Hey, we got uh, SoCal Crypto on CryptoCast. How you doing, SoCal? Hey, what's going on, man? Hey, good. Really excited to have you out. Um, appreciate you coming on. You know, we have SoCal. He's a veteran um, crypto trader. He's been in it since 2013. And uh, we wanted to talk a little bit background and what he's learned and kind of what he's seen along the way so SoCal if you could tell us a little bit about uh maybe your background how you got into crypto and and what do you think's going on right now all right well uh I'm SoCal uh, I'm uh, on Twitter is a uh, SoCal underscore uh crypto uh been in uh the crypto game as they say uh since 2013 as you mentioned uh, learned about Bitcoin uh, far earlier than that, but never really got into it, unfortunately. Had uh, other things going on at the time, uh, deployment to Iraq, that that sort of thing. So it uh, wasn't really high on my priority list to look into at the time. Uh, but I finally did get in at the end of 2013, uh, Managed to, you know, watch Mt. Gox implode and the price drop from the all-time high, the then all-time high of, you know, $1,200 down to 200 where we stayed for about three years, wow. <laughs> which which really sucked. <laughs> but but uh, uh, it wasn't actually too bad in 2014. People weren't that worried when it was first doing it uh, slide down. For the simple fact that uh, everybody thought it was going to bounce back up, you know, and also at the time was the first uh, original uh, altcoin season, uh, alt season as it's called now. Uh, that was the original one there, and uh, I got to watch all that unfold, which was uh, pretty awesome. But uh, learned a lot, obviously. Uh, met a lot of uh, great people and a lot of really shitty people <laughs> since then. But, uh, you know, here's uh, Josh Garza with his whole pay coin, gall miners bullshit. And, you know, got jackasses like that. And then there's really great people that uh, have been longtime friends of mine within crypto, like, uh, you know, my uh, noose on Twitter or uh, dumb. You know, those are just a few of uh, the really great people I've I've also uh, met and uh, have the uh, opportunity to call friends uh, through crypto. Yeah. So back then, you know, that seems like ancient history, uh, at least in crypto timing. What? what yeah. What was uh, you know, now it seems like the general sentiment is, yeah, of course, Bitcoin's going to go to a gajillion dollars at some point. Were were people? You know, I'm sad to say I wasn't active, you know, back then were people, I mean, was that on people's mind? Like, yeah, Bitcoin's going to keep climbing parabolically and, and we're so early and lucky or were people 
still feeling like this is a weird kind of social experiment. Uh, there were a lot of the same sentiments then as there yeah. are today uh, with the, uh, in regards to, you know, this is, you know, this is just the beginning. Uh, this is, this is something mm. big to be mm. a part of. Uh, however, I will say there was a hell of a lot more uncertainty and fear because, uh, everything, you know, this was basically, uh, the first large, you know, macro scale iteration of the Bitcoin market cycle, uh, you know, at meaningful amounts, obviously, you know, it was traded for years previous to the, you know, the hundred dollar plus levels in 2013 and 14. But, uh, you know, when, when you could trade something for five cents, who really gives a shit if it goes up half a penny, you know what I mean? But, when you start trading something that you know you bought for two hundred dollars originally, and then you can you know just a few years later sell it for twenty thousand, it's like okay, yeah, this is going to stick around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you know we that like I so uh, anyway as I was saying that was you know the first iteration of the boom bust, uh, a large scale iteration of the boom bust cycle in Bitcoin. And so there was a lot of people that, you know, uh, reactions were a lot more violent than, than they were this time mm-hmm. around in December, January timeframe, uh, when, you know, Bitcoin first hit its all time high, then immediately dropped like 75%. Uh, and it, it was a lot worse back then from 1200 to 200 mm-hmm. versus to Mm 6,000. I'll tell you that. It was was a lot more uh, desperate back then. A lot of people quit. Uh, There was one dude, a lot of the old timers will know, I'm not going to name him because there's no point because his account's deleted. But uh, there was one dude that actually like put pictures of himself holding a gun to his head and saying he was going to kill himself because Bitcoin went down and shit. So no he actually did, uh, but the old timers will will, rem- will know who I'm talking about. And yeah, I mean, it was like I said, it was a lot more uh, emotional and visceral back then. So, but also now because uh, a lot of the people in, yeah, there's still a lot of noobs that you know had the same knee jerk reactions that we all did back then. This time, but there was a lot more of us that had been around and had seen it all play out before. And we kept our heads, which I also like to think that uh, at least some of the the new people that joined, you know, took cues from us and uh, hopefully made some profitable trades on this on that dip we had. Yeah, I mean, I myself, I myself, I'm still long from six thousand. So I mean, come on, it was a perfect buying opportunity. How can you not take that one if it goes down seventy percent? You buy it. That I mean, if it's Bitcoin, that yeah. is. Yeah, I think that uh, the whole HODL mentality, you know, um, definitely goes back to the people of your, I guess you could call it era, um, when people, uh, I mean, you know, I was new to it, and I would see it go down 40% and freak out and Google it, and the top things like just HODL, man, 
and then it'll have like all these stories of like people that hodled throughout the years. And I'm not sure how many other asset classes there are or, you know, whatever you would want to call Bitcoin that people would encourage buying more uh, or holding on to something that has gone down so much. I mean, is that just built into Bitcoin, the whole violent retrace down 60, 70 percent and then shoot back up to an all time high? I mean, I'm, do you have any thoughts on why Bitcoin it, does that? Uh, I think it's uh, a largely a function of the simple fact that um, relatively speaking, there's still very little money mm-hmm. in it. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I'm speaking in relative terms here, uh, you know, but relative to I know the big thing everybody keeps comparing it to is the uh, dot com Mm -hmm. bubble. But think a little bit bigger than that on uh, the market side, say the Forex markets, uh, which is orders of magnitude larger than the dot com uh, bubble. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's uh, there's it's a lot easier to manipulate because there's again relative terms relatively little money in it, right? Which means that uh, if your pockets are big enough, you can have a very large sway on the direction of the price and uh well also uh that's not entirely true uh you don't necessarily need a you know large financial backing to achieve that goal uh i'm sure some of the guys who bought a hundred thousand of them when they were a penny a piece right you know i'm sure you know obviously they are rich now but um it's all bitcoin wealth so obviously they can directly influence the Bitcoin market. Now that a hundred thousand Bitcoin is a vast amount of Bitcoin, when when they bought it in two thousand nine, two thousand ten, it cost them like a hundred bucks. So can we get a little conspiracy ridden maybe for a second? <laughs> sure. Okay. Who um, th- the people out there that you know? I was actually curiously going through Bitcoin wallets the other night with a buddy, just joking. I, you know, I was looking at Bitcoin distribution to- by token amounts, and you know, there was something like fifteen hundred wallets that have somewhere between ten thousand to a hundred thousand Bitcoins in them. And I, I was going through the transactions on a lot of them, and. Most of them haven't had transactions in years. I mean, do you think, I was thinking these are people that just forgot their private keys. These are people, I, I mean, I, it's almost hard to believe someone just holding, you know, 50,000 Bitcoins and never selling any for 10 years or, you know, five years. Do you think that's the case? I definitely think it's plausible, especially considering that uh, the time frame you're talking about, Bitcoin was... Uh, on all you know terms of of the word cheap yeah. it was a couple bucks if that if that so somebody working at mcdonald's at the time say they were 17 working at mcdonald's making minimum wage they could buy a couple you know tens of thousands of bitcoin for a small fraction of their already small paycheck and then you know 
five, 10 years later, that doesn't, you know, affect them. They don't need that because, you know, as they're moving up in their own careers or whatever, you know, that wasn't money that they needed. You get what I'm saying? So uh, I think it's entirely, uh, entirely plausible that a large number of those are active accounts in the sense that people are still alive and still have the private keys and could move the coins if they so chose. They just have chose not to. Now, I'm sure a lot of them are uh, forgotten or uh, destroyed accounts. You know, somebody, you know, Throughout their hard drive, like that one poor bastard in the UK, or uh, he had something like thirty thousand, or was it a hundred thirty thousand? It was some some ridiculously high amount. Yeah, a ridiculous number of Bitcoin, and the city just will not allow him to dig up the landfill. But the city's got a point. They're like, "Do you realize what happens in a landfill? We promise you, you will not recover any data off of your hard drive." Right. That's that's awful. because all the uh, chemicals and all that kind of crap very acidic and not very friendly to uh, computer equipment. Uh, who, who knew that, you know, a landfill would be a terrible place to put a, uh, old computer equipment. He, he must've just forgot he had the bitcoins or was the laptop thrown away on accident. And he, knew, I don't know. Uh, he, he forgot about the Bitcoin on it and threw the, the computer away. And then late, when the, the price first went up to a thousand, he was like, Oh shit. It was on that computer. And he's been trying to get it back ever since then. All right. So that sucks for the guy who lost his Bitcoins in the landfill in London. We're back to segment two with CryptoCast and SoCal Crypto. Yeah. So what I, what I was saying is kind of interesting is Bitcoin created a whole new um class of really wealthy individuals that are relatively young and for the most part anonymous there was you know forbes did the list of the you know public bitcoin billionaires um which of course cz from binance was on there but you know there's a lot of anonymous people out there that have access to enormous amounts of capital and some of them are doing some great things with like the pineapple fund and he anonymously is donating about a hundred million dollars to some nonprofits. It, it's it's kind of a. Do you believe in like crypto being, you know, the saying one of the biggest transfers of wealth in history? Do you believe in that? Uh, absolutely, I do. Uh, for the simple fact that not only was uh, there, as you said, this uh, new class of uh, wealthy individuals that arose from who got into crypto earliest, you know, and managed to get large amounts from mining when you could still mine with your CPU uh, or from just purchasing it for dirt cheap, you know, as the the famous uh, Bitcoin pizza transaction, you know, 10,000 Bitcoin was only worth 20 bucks at at that point in time. So you could easily accumulate, you know, a couple hundred thousand Bitcoin for just a couple hundred bucks easily wow so i mean uh not not only from that but also from the people who have uh been involved with the uh trading and the mining Mm -hmm. Uh, that's one of the great things about uh about this uh whole uh cryptocurrency uh 
is that uh, there's multiple ways that uh, you can extract value from it. It's not just for, you know, uh, like some of the uh, things now, uh, like uh, Coinbase's index fund, mm-hmm. you know, accredited investors only, which is bullshit. Call it what it is. Bullshit. It's, yeah, you're, you're keeping the rich rich and the poor poor. That's yep. what the hell that is. So it, this is something completely removed from the uh, – you know, uh, controls of uh, that are in place on wall street and such to keep, you know, the rich, rich and the poor, poor, uh, not only did you have to be involved with it at the very beginning, you can trade, uh, which is still a viable option to this day, obviously, as more and more people are doing it. Uh, you can trade it, uh, to, you know, get more, or, or you can also mine. Uh, I'm, lucky in the fact that uh i have an it background so of course mining it was uh actually the first thing i was drawn to Mm. um and then kind of got into the trading from there but uh i was also uh involved with uh trading uh small scale obviously but trading uh, on the stock market uh Mm. personally uh, so obviously, you know, I had some interest in the trading aspect as well, but originally I was, uh, drawn to the mining and the, uh, the whole, uh, uh, basically, uh, low cost, uh, wealth transfer vehicle, uh, of it, you know, able to transfer large amounts of anywhere in the world inst- almost instantly for, very little fees compared to regular banking channels uh, such as money wires and such that you know you could pay up to 25 percent fees on so if you say you're sending ten thousand bucks to you know your brother that's stuck in the middle of europe or something you're going to pay another 2500 just in fees yeah, and you know, I see Ripple keeps promising all these new partnerships. You know, I don't know how you feel about it, but it, you know, they keep partnering with money exchangers like um, MoneyGram, and it's like, is that the whole point of cryptocurrency to kind of like circumvent those established channels? Yeah. Oh God, don't even get me started on Cripple, uh, but. <laughs> I feel sorry for anybody who listened to CNBC and bought that crap at three dollars. I feel really bad for them, but uh, so yeah, uh, that's not really. I I don't pay too much attention to Cripple, um, but yeah, you are correct. Half the point of cryptocurrency is to not need a centralized and often expensive third party uh, involved in your transaction, such as Western Union or MoneyGram or whoever the hell, you know. Exactly. Yeah. Um, The part that, I mean, I followed Bitcoin a little bit in like 2010 or 11 when I was living in Denver. And uh, that was right on the cusp of, I don't even know if you remember, like the whole wall street crash of 09 seems like so long ago when the whole economy everybody was freaking out and 
the Occupy Wall Street and the, you know, the big banks. And, you know, that was a huge point in American history. And that's when I like kind of was starting to hear about Bitcoin on like Reddit and other just weird small forums. And um, I really like kind of like the anarchist background of Bitcoin, you know, like it really was. It just seemed like a movement that started in like this small corner of the Internet that was anarchist and you know now it's cnbc is shilling cripple you know on monday afternoon seven you know eight years yep. nine years later encoded in the genesis block by satoshi himself i think it reads january 11th something like that anyway 2009 chancellor uh Ponders uh, bailout for big banks. Uh, the the Times, I believe. Uh, anyway, yeah. So that that was Satoshi himself signaling that this was a direct response to the global meltdown of two thousand eight. Uh, so yeah, it it definitely has uh, its roots in uh, a whole. Uh, screw the old system mindset because the old system set up to screw you. <laughs> so who's Satoshi? I mean, do people know? I mean, can we talk about it? <laughs> uh, I, I personally and firmly believe that if not Nick Sasbo himself, then at least Nick Sasbo as the team lead of a, a group of individuals that together made up the pseudonym of Satoshi Nakamoto. Uh, that, that's just my two cents. But, uh, you know, who knows? But I, I can say for 100% fact that Craig Wright is not Satoshi. Really? <laughs> yes that charlatan is exactly what he is an imposter yeah i mean you think you think it'll ever be revealed uh maybe maybe not i lean more towards the we'll probably never yeah. know for sure but uh, I'm satisfied enough with my own conclusion and I, you know, firm enough in my beliefs that I feel I have the answer and it's satisfactory for me, you know, uh, as I explained my my belief. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Bitcoin, crypto. I mean, I just I went full time in on it. And I don't know, nine months ago, 10 months ago. So, you know, I'm obviously relatively new, but. I've honestly never been so excited for anything ever. Like the, the, the possibilities, you know, not only financially, like, you know, obviously like you make the right plays, you can make more money in crypto than pretty much anything else in the entire world. Uh, I don't know many other opportunities unless you're so lucky to found Amazon and wait 25 years and you're a billionaire. Um, <laughs> also, uh, the great part about it is it's low barrier of entry. All you need is about dollars and an internet mm -hmm. connection. And and you can start trading effectively. Uh that that's it. 
<laughs> so uh, it, it, as compared to, like I said, the the traditional system set up with the whole accredited investor rules and, you know, fun little fact, uh, a lot of all the all the legalese of that cut out. It basically just says uh, to be an accredited investor, you need uh, 10 million dollars. Yeah. That's basically what it takes to be an accredited investor. Uh, I'll probably piss off some Wall Street types saying this. And they go, no, there's fine print. In it. I don't give a shit. It's the, keeping the rich rich and the poor poor. Shut up. I, I agree. I mean, <laughs> so, you know, they, supposedly it's to help look out for people. But, you know, it, it makes the majority of the population miss out on huge opportunities. Exactly. Exactly. It's like, how does restricting this to people, to only people who are already immensely wealthy, protect me? How does that help me? It doesn't at all. What it does is it helps out that good old boys club of the top 1%, because obviously they all know each other. I'm not saying it's a cabal or anything. Put your tinfoil hats away. The Illuminati is not a thing. Go (laughs) home. But and if the you know top richest 20 30 people at least just say we'll keep it smaller scale in the in the country not even in the world just in the country i'm pretty sure they all know each other you know what i mean they probably all run in the same circles social yeah, definitely grabbed a coffee once or twice and and, and and most likely they've probably all done business deals with each other so, of course, they're going to cut each other's sweetheart deals. Yeah, it would be hard not to run into those type of people, you know, if you're one of them. Exactly. Uh, so, you know, uh, I'm not saying, you know, there's a one world shadow government cabal pulling economic strings or whatever. I'm, put your tinfoil hat away. <laughs> not saying that. But, you know, obviously the richest people do know them, each other. So obviously they do cut each other breaks at the expense of the normal people. Exactly. Us. And that's what I'm so excited about the, you know, the next two years. I think that, uh, you know, this kind of generation, this age group, um, there is going to be a lot of change as the older generations kind of fade out. And, you know, with this newfound crypto wealth, and there's a lot of people out there that are just, I bumped into an old friend of mine um, last year, and that's how I got back into crypto. I really got into it for the first time. And he was telling me, yeah, I bought XYZ of Bitcoin, and now it's worth a couple hundred thousand. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like, (laughs) whoa, okay. Like, I'm in. Like, what's up? And, you know, he's a good guy. And I know a lot of people in crypto are good people. And I think this newfound wealth will, like, impact the world in a greater way and not to kind of preach but i'm very excited for the the future of this you know movement if you'd like to call it that i would um and how it kind of plays out politically and socioeconomically throughout the globe and like just give people resources to be able to like impact themselves and maybe their community a little bit too definitely uh as you're saying, you know, I've, I've met some of the best people I know mm-hmm. through crypto. Uh, you know, people I would 
trust was my life. Uh, two of which, like I mentioned earlier, Noose, Dumb, uh, there, there's a few others, uh, you know, awesome people uh, that I like better than the people I know in real life, you know? Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> well, uh, so uh, this is really a great opportunity uh, for everybody. Uh as you said, you know, economically, politically, socio-economically, uh, uh, all that stuff. It, it's a better opportunity than we've been uh, afforded as normal people in a long time. Mm-hmm. And except and on and this time, except be instead of being on a nation scale, uh, I would say probably uh, one of the last greatest opportunities, such as it for you know, personal liberty such as this was uh, probably the revolution, (laughs) the American revolution. So, uh, you know, next greatest thing since then, but instead of being on a nation-sized scale, this time it's on a global scale. It's giving everybody a chance at equal footing. It's very exciting when I start just picturing, like, the world in two years – if this continues, it's kind of like this slow moving upheaval of like the archaic systems of the 20th century into like the future. Maybe that was in the movies we were shown as children, you know, not the dystopian sci-fi ones, but the, the positive ones. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, I think, no matter how much governments try to clamp down on regulation at this point, the genie's already out of the mm-hmm. bottle. And because uh, I, I'm pretty sure at least absolute worst case scenario, if all the world's governments tried to clamp down and shut down crypto or whatever, I'm pretty sure everybody would just say, all right, fuck it. We're going to just cut out the fiat portion of it. Just straight, crypto everything how are the governments going to stop it then you Mm. can't yeah that's that has only the only choke point that they have on the current markets is the entrance and exit of fiat Mm -hmm. that's it if you remove that and the whole thing just goes purely crypto if i can pay my rent in crypto my electric bill in crypto my groceries in crypto gasoline and crypto you know if i can pay everything in crypto and never have to go to fiat how the hell is the government gonna stop that they can't brings up a great point by socal what would happen if everything was paid in crypto and we ignored fiat be unstoppable let's get back with socal and let's hear how bullish she is on bitcoin long term Hey, back with SoCal. So, SoCal, you know, I know you got to run soon. I wanted to get kind of a closing statement from you. I wanted to see, are you bullish on Bitcoin? Uh, Long term, yes. Okay. If you're talking about, you know, in the next day or two. No, I don't even care about that anymore. (laughs) Yeah. But uh, long-term, yes, uh, I am a mega bull, and I will remain to be one at least a million dollars. Ooh, that's quite the prediction. I like that. 
Oh, I just, open-ended time frame, my man. This could be a hundred years from now. I have no idea, but <laughs> will it? Uh, I believe. Sure. I like it. I like it. So, so, Mister SoCal, do you do anything else besides crypto that you talk about? You mostly just full time, man. Uh, yeah, I mainly try to keep everything uh, crypto related yeah. uh, on my social media account mm-hmm. and everything and, and uh you know people don't really want to about my and such so hear what i ate for breakfast that day you know what i mean yeah same here uh that's why i like twitter now i don't use anything else because i just talk about crypto i just talk about crypto. Yeah. i don't care about your dog don't care about your house i just i just care about what's going on in crypto <laughs> yep Eye on the prize. I, I I try to keep everything crypto, at least crypto related. I do shit post a lot mm-hmm. on Twitter. <laughs> I will admit, but uh, it's all crypto related mainly. So uh, you know, as long as it's crypto related, go go for it. You know, I'm all about nice, it. Nice <laughs> man. But uh, what I uh, what I do suggest for yeah. new people getting into uh, okay. crypto. Uh, in respects of uh if you want to start trading first you uh go to uh babypips.com mm-hmm. and it's uh do the courses there it's all free courses it's uh forex trading courses but forex trading is almost identical to crypto trading uh basically just less centralized choke points and uh a much more accelerated time frame <laughs> yeah there's basically the difference but uh do all the classes on baby pips and uh then uh, open a demo account and uh you know start applying what you learn from baby pips uh to trading and once you start to figure out strategies that work for you then go live with it uh there's also a a lot of good traders uh to follow on twitter there's a lot of bad traders to follow on twitter as well um uh, i i highly suggest um carpe noctum on twitter at carpe noctum uh He's a, a great tra- uh, Bitcoin trader. Uh, same with um, MBTC PizPi. He's another great Bitcoin trader. Uh, also, B-Bands. That's uh, John Bollinger, the creator of the uh, B-Bands TA indicator, okay. which works great uh, with trading crypto and a, a few other indicators as well. But, uh, uh, B-Bands really works real well, uh, most of the time. Um, also, uh, you, you really need to, uh, look into and understand, uh, fundamental analysis as well. Uh, as well as TA, uh, the technical analysis, which some people call hoodoo and whatever, uh, it's basically just an exercise in psychology. If enough people are doing the exact same thing, then doesn't matter if it's all 
tea leaves and smoke and mirrors, if everybody else is doing the same thing, then mm. that's what's going to happen. Self-fulfilling right, prophecy. Right. So that's why it works. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. It's not just one person doing it. There's a whole lot of people doing it. And when they enough of them come to the same conclusion and make the same play, then the chart plays out. Yeah, so baby pips. But, uh, yeah, babypips.com to learn technical analysis uh, and the basics of trading. Uh, you know, a couple of those uh, traders I mentioned on Twitter, uh, follow them. They have a lot of great uh, information, and they're very helpful. Um, and also fundamental analysis is also extremely important. Um, now, in respects to Bitcoin trading specifically, uh, you don't really need to know fundamental analysis because obviously the fundamentals right. are there. You know, this whole ecosystem is built upon right. Bitcoin. So obviously the fundamentals are there. So you can skip out on the FA if you want to. But I wouldn't suggest that if you try to trade anything else other than Bitcoin. You need to know the FA. You need to know the fundamentals, uh, which is, you know, the project, the product, does it exist already, the team behind it, who they are, where they'll be, how they're registered, you know, all those kinds of things that you would look into uh, for a real company. You do the same thing in cryptocurrency. Right on, man. Well, thanks, SoCal. Uh I know you, you're kind of, I saw maybe you were involved with as an advisor at um, an ICO. Yes. That yes, was, I am. Uh, well, not an advisor. Sorry, 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 sorry. Not an advisor. Uh, I am a community ambassador. Very cool. For, uh, yeah, for, uh, for Krill a Krill IO. For a trading platform or uh, algorithm I, I saw. It's a. It's going to be. It's actually really cool, and uh, it's going to be very, very okay. useful for new traders, uh, which is why I'm excited about it and agreed to uh, be, so, you know, uh, okay. be involved with it, uh, at least in a small fashion. Uh, anyway, it's a uh, trading platform that is uh, exchange agnostic, so you can use it with almost any exchange out there. If the exchange has an API, you can use you know, their platform to trade on that exchange. And it's a auto, you build, basically build automated trading um, uh, strategies and they, you can add in a whole bunch of different uh, indicators and such. They have an algorithm that searches for Twitter sentiment. So it tells you if, you know, for whatever coin you input, say Ethereum, Litecoin, whatever, it'll tell you, it'll, you know, crawl Twitter and tell you if the overall sentiment for that coin is positive or negative. And so then you can set your trading strategy to, you know, okay, if sentiment is positive and price goes up 10%, sell. Or if sentiment's negative and price drops 10%, buy more. Mm, that's really cool. You know, something yeah, something like that. So it'll, it'll, I can see it being pretty helpful uh, to you know, friend traders, people who just don't have time, and uh, to new traders that are learning trading. Yeah, well, we'll definitely check that out. Because 
Yeah, they 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 also offer de- offer well will offer uh, demo accounts as well. So it'll be very good for for learning how to trade because you you don't need to put any real money into it to learn. All right. So that's uh, Krill K R Y L L, right? Yep. K R Y L L dot I O. Well, man, really appreciate you coming out. I'd love to have you on in the future. I'm, it's very interesting to hear about everything you've been through in crypto, and I really appreciate you coming out, SoCal. Sure, no problem, man. Too, man. Have a good one. That's CryptoCast with Digital Lawrence and SoCal. Later. Later. Are you fucking up, man?